message I'm going to preach today, you'll never guess, I'm going to preach on evangelism. Okay. We're, this quarter we're, we're rebuilding the wall of evangelism, but the title of my message today is, Let Him Touch Your Lips. Let Him Touch Your Lips. Now, my text is found in Isaiah chapter 6. You're probably familiar with this, but I'm going to read us a lengthy passage that I'm going to read for you. Uh, play close attention because I'll be coming back to this in a few minutes. <clears throat> but I want to read the first seven verses of Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Please pay close attention to this last sentence or portion of sentence. Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. <clears throat> now, there are several different directions I could go with this. I think the most obvious would be that I could talk to you about the cleansing of our lips by the fire of God. And we could talk about cleansing our lips from unclean speaking and filthiness. And we could talk about cleansing our lips from lying or from gossip or from any number of things. Like I said, that, that, but I'm, I'm going to go a different direction today with this. And in fact, I, I hope that I'm able to share something with you perhaps you had never thought about as it relates to this prophet and other prophets in your Bible. As you know, when you read through your Bible, your Bible is literally a library of 66 books. And there's a whole section made up of prophets and prophecies. One group's called major prophets, the other called minor prophets. Let's look at these, uh, the books of the prophets. First of all, let's look at the major prophets. There are four, there are actually five books of the major prophets, although there are four major prophets. One of the prophets wrote two books. Jeremiah wrote not only the book of Jeremiah, but the Lamentation, the book of Lamentation of Jeremiah. But these are, these are prophets. The major prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. I want you to remember those. Let me say them again. The major prophets in your Bible are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Say that with me, will you? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel and Daniel. These are the four major prophets. Now, there are 12 minor prophets. I'm not going to ask you to memorize these, but uh, the minor prophets are Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. That last one, Malachi, the, somebody said one time that's uh, that's an, uh, they pronounced it Malochi, said that's an Italian prophet. But uh, Malachi, that's the last of the minor prophets. Now, 
I want to key in on the four major prophets because there's something very unique and special that the Scripture records about these four men that it doesn't record about any of the minor prophets or other prophets. There are other prophets in the Bible, by the way. You go back into the Old Testament and the books of Kings and Chronicles, and you'll find men like Elijah and Elisha and, and, and others. So there, there, there are more prophets, but these are the ones who ha- actually have books that are written by them. But there's something that's said about these four major prophets that, that's not said about the minor prophets. These major prophets are unique men, powerful men of God but unique in their personality and in their disposition and their characteristics. They're, they're very different from each other. For example, Isaiah is, uh, uh, he, he's, he's one of those out there guys. Isaiah is, uh, he's loud and impetuous and, and there's a lot of cleric in his personality. Jeremiah, on the other hand, is right the opposite. He's, he's got a lot of, uh, um, he, he's very timid in some ways and, uh, and, and, and withdrawn and, and tends, to be a, tends to be a little pessimistic where Isaiah is very optimistic. And um, he's, uh, he's just totally different. So let me say this to you this morning. God uses people of all descriptions. God doesn't look around and say, you don't have enough uh, sanguine in your personality, so I can't use you. God doesn't do that at all. Amen? God uses all of us. He uses all kind of people, all kind of personalities. God can use all of us. And you really see that when you look at the prophets and see the the different dynamics of their personality. Let's go back over these major prophets. And here's the thing that's unique about each one of them that the Bible describes that he doesn't describe about any of the others. Each one of these had an experience with God that's recorded in the Scripture where God touched their lips. God touched their lips. I just read to you from Isaiah. I won't go back and read those seven verses again. But from my text, you, get, you see Isaiah. <clears throat> He's in the house of the Lord. And, and suddenly God shows up. Now, Isaiah was very disturbed. In fact, he was grieving that day because it was the year that Uzziah had died, King Uzziah. And King Uzziah was somebody that Isaiah loved. And in fact, Isaiah was such a well-educated man and he came up so quickly so young and demonstrated his wealth of knowledge and political savvy until he came into the the friendship of political leaders Isaiah rubbed shoulders with kings I mean he spoke into the lives of these men and he really loved Uzziah Uzziah was a, a special friend from this young man Isaiah. So he was grieving over the death of, of Uzziah. And, and the Spirit of God filled the temple. In fact, God came in so strong into the temple that there was a manifestation of his presence. Isaiah literally saw it. He saw the robe of God. Just the 
fill the temple. And, and the presence of God was so strong that the, the doorposts began to shake. I mean, it was like, it was like there was an earthquake and, and all of a sudden smoke began to appear. And, and Isaiah thought, man, I'm in trouble big time. He said, I, I, I'm seeing the manifest presence of God and I'm unclean. My lips are unclean. And he said, I dwell among a people that have unclean lips. Woe is me, he said. He, he, you remember what I said earlier about the, the fear that was in the Old Testament of God? He was afraid that God might strike him dead because he's seeing the holiness of God and he knows that he's not holy as he should have been or wanted to be, to be in the presence of God. Remember Isaiah said one time, we are all an unclean thing and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And so he's crying, woe is me, when suddenly a seraphim, and, and these seraphims are, are different kinds of angels or angelic beings that reside in the presence of Almighty God and give glory and praise to God. In fact, they're crying to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And, and Isaiah heard that. But one of those seraphs went to the altar of God and took a live coal off of the altar of God and came and touched the lips of Isaiah. And remember that last part? I'll read it to you again. He said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Wow, what a powerful experience. Well, let me go on to the next one, Jeremiah. His book follows Isaiah in, in your Bible. Jeremiah, let me, let me read about his experience. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 4 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I adorned you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God. Behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. Wow, what an experience. Now, remember, Isaiah is this real outgoing personality. Jeremiah, on the other hand, is very reserved and, and very intimidated and and in fact, he's trying to make excuse. The Lord's trying to call him into this prophetic ministry. And he's saying, Lord, Lord, I can't do it. I, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, he pulls the youth card on him. He said, I'm just a young person. How can, how can you use me? I'm just a young person. God said, don't use that excuse. Don't bring that up to me. Don't, don't say you're a youth. You, you just speak what I tell you. Uh, because what I want you to understand, Jeremiah, is that before you were born, I already knew you. 
<laughs> let, 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 let me stop right here and say what God said to Jeremiah could be applied to everybody in this building this morning. I want you to know that before you were born, God already knew you. At the moment of your conception, God already knew you. And, and, and so stop trying to use the excuse of, of whatever it was, the, the, the reason you were born. May, may, you, you may have been born out of wedlock. But listen, there are no illegitimate births. There's some illegitimate parents. But there are no illegitimate children. Amen? God, the moment of your conception, God set a book. He's got a book in his library that's got your name on it. In, in fact, the Bible says that there's a book of remembrance that is written to me. The moment of your conception, regardless of the case, it, it, it doesn't matter whatever the case was, God saw you, wrote your name on a book, put it in his bookshelf, started keeping a record for you, has a destiny for you and a plan for your life, and you are special to your heavenly Father, period. <laughs> Amen. You're special to God. And, and so, and so God says to Jeremiah, said, get off of this, get off of this trip of, of, I can't do it, or I'm not, I'm not good enough, or I don't have, uh, you know, <laughs> God, uh, just get off of that. I've called you and I've ordained you. In fact, he said, I sanctified you before you was ever born. That simply means I've set you apart. God has set you apart for his purpose before you were even born. There's a destiny for your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can use you if you let him. Now turn and say to him, God will use you if you let him. Amen. Well, let me hurry on. Ezekiel is the next one that's mentioned in the list of major prophets in your Bible. I'm not going to read the scriptures about him because I'd have to read the second chapter of Ezekiel and the third chapter of Ezekiel to get the whole thing in context. But here's what God is basically doing to Ezekiel. When God, God calls Ezekiel to a very difficult task, Ezekiel is going to have to go prophesy to a bunch of rebellious, stubborn, hard-hearted people that don't want to hear what he's got to say. In fact, God's going to use him as a human illustration to do some of the strangest, weirdest things that you could possibly imagine. And so God says to him, actually God brings to him the word. He brings to him a book. It's, it's the word of God yet to be written and, and, and as we know it now. But remember, God knows the end from the beginning. And so God hands him this book and he says, I want you to take this book and eat it. In other words, it's got to go through your mouth. It's got to touch your lips in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. St. John chapter 1. That life, that power, that it touched the lips of Ezekiel. And then God gave him the formula for preaching. Any of you young people today that, that are any, any of you anywhere feel like God may be calling you into the ministry or you're wanting to know how to preach, let me tell you, uh, the simplest way, I, I, I encourage you to get all the education you can get, but, uh, but this, it boils down to this right here. Good preaching is simply made up of eating and speaking. That's what he told Ezekiel to do. He said, you eat the word, speak the word. Eat the word, speak the word. So good preaching is made up of eating and speaking. Now, that don't mean eating fried chicken and speaking. It means eating the word and speaking. 
the best preaching comes out of the overflow of what you put into your spiritual being. That, that all of you that are in the ministry of teaching, the best teaching comes out of the overflow. Eat and speak, eat and speak. You know, Google's good, but, but you're not going to find a Google sermon that's going to speak to the needs of the people like just eating the Word of God and then speaking from the overflow of the Word of God. And that's what God told Ezekiel to do. He touched his lips. Let me get the last one. Daniel, Daniel. Let me read this one to you. Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 to 16. Then he said to me, this is Gabriel speaking to Daniel. Give you a little background here. Daniel's been given some visions he don't understand. He's trying to get a timetable for what God is doing. Those of you that are familiar with the book of Daniel, you know he was a, a prophet to the, to the end times. In fact, you couple Daniel with the book of Revelations in your Bible and you see exactly where we are in the world today. I mean, he's prophesying end times. But he didn't understand these visions he'd been given. So he went on a fast. He's fasting and praying. He's been praying for 21 days trying to get an answer. And he couldn't get an answer. And, and so Gabriel, the, uh, one of the archangels of God, the word-bearing angel, comes to him and says, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. I'm going to stop right there because I want to jump off a little rabbit trail and I'll get right back on the message real quick. But, but I do want to make an application here because this is so important. I want to ask you a question. Here's what, here's what Gabriel said to Daniel. He said, God has sent me for your words. In other words, I'm going to take your words and I'm going to cause your words to come to pass. Can I ask you a question this morning? What would happen if God sent Gabriel for your words and would cause to happen what you're speaking out of your mouth? Are you speaking discouragement? Are you speaking fear? Are, 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 are you, what are you speaking? He sent an angel to come for his words. Well, I want to tell you something. That convicts me. That convicts me. I, I fear and tremble to think what would happen. I, I want to I get back in here like, like God told Ezekiel. I want to eat and speak. Amen. If, if an angel comes to my words, I hope it's the word of God that he's coming forward again. Okay, let me, I'm off of that rabbit trail. Let me get back on my sermon here. Okay, I've come for your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, he's another archangel, came to help me. He's a warring angel. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face towards the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the Son of Men touched my lips, touched his lips, then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him, Who stood before me? My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. Uh, Daniel, the Lord touched him. Now, let, 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 me, let me share this with you about these four. Number one, it happened to different ages. If you've ever been to church on a Sunday... And wondered if the message is for you. 
Let me clear this up for you this morning. If I've ever preached a message that's for everybody, this one's for everybody. None of you are exempt. You got that? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for you. (laughs) All right. This is for you. I'm going to start with Jeremiah. And the reason I'm going to start with Jeremiah is because when God touched Jeremiah's lips, Jeremiah was just a young guy. Remember, he said, Lord, I'm but a youth. He was, in fact, he was actually a little boy when God spoke this to him. God said, said Jeremiah, I've touched you. I, I ordained you from the, before you were born. Can I say to you this morning that God wants to touch our children? If there are any children in the house this morning, God wants to touch your lips. Some of you are not aware of it, but we're having revival over in Children's Church. I mean, God's been pouring out His Spirit. Youth camps this summer, our kids got on fire for God. We're having children being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. God just filling them, pouring out His Spirit. God wants to touch your lips. God wants to touch the lips of our children. If you're just a lad, if you're 9 years old, 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old, I I don't care. You're not too young. God wants to touch your lips with his power and with his anointing and with his glory. The great Robert Hall was converted at 12 years of age. Matthew Henry that wrote the commentary that bears his name came to the Lord when he was only 11 years old. Isaac Watts, the great hymn writer that wrote hymns and preached messages that are classics today, was saved when he was only nine years old. Jonathan Edwards, the man who preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that sparked the great awakening and stirred this nation to its knees a few centuries ago. He was only seven years of age when the Lord saved him. You're not too young this morning. If there are any kids in the house, hear me today. God wants to touch your lips. And let me say to you parents, you need to pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your children. Don't wait. Get the Word of God in them now. God wants to touch the lips of our children for the glory of God. Amen. Now, Isaiah, many believe, many Bible scholars and and historians believe that Isaiah was still a teenager when he was in the house of God and had that great vision. Wow. I mean, God raised him up to speak to kings when he was still very young, just a teenager. (laughs) This week, this week, I I got a hold of a research report from a well-known research foundation that's just finished a study of Christianity, global Christianity, they call it. And here's what they've got to say. This is the intelligence of the liberal world out there. Here's what they're saying. Christianity will die with this generation. This is the end of Christianity globally. This is the end of it. (laughs) I laughed at that. You know why? Because God's touching the lips of teenagers. Amen. <laughs> I'm not worried about it dying. It's not going to die. It's going to revive. Amen. God's re- Listen, young people, let God touch your lips. God can shake a nation through you if you'll allow God to use you for his glory. Amen. Give God some praise today. He's worthy. 
No, Christianity's not going to die. We, we're yet to see the greatest harvest that, that we've ever seen. Praise the Lord. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. God's doing a work, and he's going to raise up another generation. Listen, th- those kind of prognostications have been given for years. Hitler said he'd wipe it out. He's dead and gone, and Jesus is alive. Amen? And many tyrants have said things like that. That's been prophesied and promised many times before by demon-possessed people, and, 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 and it's not going to happen because Jesus is Lord, and he's going to have a bride, and he's raising up another generation that's full of the anointing of the Lord and the power and the presence of God. God's going to touch the lips of the young people in this world and spread the gospel of Jesus to the four corners of the earth. Glory to God. Look at Ezekiel. It's believed that Ezekiel was in his mid-30s when God touched his lips. In other words, he was middle age. I told you this is for everybody. You, 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 you people that are middle-aged now and kind of starting on down the other half of life, sitting back with your arms crossed, saying, let the next generation do, no, 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 no. God wants to touch your lips too. God wants to touch your lips too. That's what he did with Ezekiel. Ezekiel was in at midlife when, when the Lord touched his lips and made a powerful prophet out of him to speak to his generation and those to come. And then finally, Daniel you know how, did you know that Daniel was an old man when God touched his lips? That prophecy that I read to you when, when the angel Gabriel came to him, he, he was in his senior years when he got that prophecy from the Lord. Went on a 21-day fast, and God touched him and, and gave him a book that, that we study today, and we're seeing his prophecy being fulfilled right in front of our eyes right now today. So listen, old folks, get off of your seat of do-nothing and unfold your hands and stand up and let the Lord touch your lips. We need to be speaking today. We need to be speaking the truth. We need to be speaking the Word of God. We need to be encouraging those who are coming along behind us. Amen? Amen. We, we, we senior adults today, we need to be encouraging these young folks, these teenagers. We need to be encouraging these children. We need to be coming alongside with a Word of God from our lips that will, will bless them and, and send them forth a new power and anointing. God wants to touch your lips. God wants to touch your lips. Praise God. He wants to touch your lips. So, in conclusion, let me ask you this question. Or let me say to you, whatever your age, God wants to touch your lips. God wants to do it. And he wants to do it today. Now, one of the things that I, th- I think a lot of folks are confused over in this day. When they think of prophecy, they think of the Old Testament office of prophets like these four that I mentioned today and others. And yet, if you'll remember way back, Moses, when God came to Moses and took some of the anointing that he had placed on Moses and distributed it to a whole host of others, to help him lead and direct Israel. Um, A couple of guys had not made it to the service 
where that anointing was being poured out. But they received the anointing and they were out in the camp and they started prophesying. And Joshua heard about it and he came to Moses and he said, Joshua, there's a couple of guys out in the camp and they're, they're prophesying. Do you want me to go stop them? And Moses said, oh no, I would God that all of the Lord's people were prophets. Now, that was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost when God poured out his spirit. Remember Simon Peter preached that day and he quoted from Joel. He said, and it shall come to pass afterwards, saith the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams upon my servants and my handmaidens. I will pour out of my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Praise God. God's pouring out his spirit on it. But, but we get the idea that, that, that prophecy under the, the, the Holy Spirit under this covenant is like that of the old. No, not necessarily. Now, I know there's some people that may be called prophetically, but, but for all, did you know that all of you that are filled with the Spirit can prophesy? Did you know that? In fact, God wants you to. God wants to touch your lips. How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible said, seek earnestly that you, the, the best gifts, and especially that you might prophesy. Now, God wouldn't tell us to seek to be able to do that if we couldn't do it. And so God wants us to do it. But it's not, see, we get the idea that for us to prophesy, that we've got to say, thus saith the Lord. And we've got to give a special word for somebody. And it needs to be several paragraphs long. And it, it needs to have a certain feel to it and everything. That's okay in its place. But, but that's not what God wants to do with us. And, and may I say this? The greatest tool of evangelism that there is, is the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your lips to prophesy the Word of God to those around you. And, and it, it doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be strange. Prophecy today is just speaking under the inspiration of God, the encouraging Word of God to somebody else. How many of you here this morning can think of a time in your life when somebody came to you and, 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 and just spoke something and you just, you knew when you heard it that it was from the Lord. And it was just a word and it helped you get through a crisis that you were going through or it helped you through a struggle that you were dealing with. It helped you to hold on another day. It gave you the strength and the courage. It was just a word in season. You know, the Bible said, Words fitly spoken are like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Isn't that a beautiful description? That's from Proverbs. A great description of what, and that's what the Lord, he just wants to, he just wants to use you with a, 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 the right word at the right time for the right person. It can make a difference in their life. Remember the Bible says life and death in the power of the tongue. It, it's powerful when you speak those words. Several years ago, a psychiatrist friend of mine shared with me a research, and this is a liberal psychiatric research. It has nothing to do with religion or spirituality whatsoever. But they did an in-depth study following especially little boys and young men who were fatherless. They were raised in homes without a dad. And here's what their conclusion was. That one positive experience from a child, especially a little boy, 
with an adult male has the potential of redirecting their whole life. One positive experience from a child with an adult male. In other words, a father-like figure can give a word of affirmation to a boy that will just set his life to follow the direction of that person. And if it's a good, godly uh, direction and it's positive, it can change that life in a positive. Can you imagine how much more a positive word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit can affect a child when it's spoken from somebody in love with the direction of the Lord? Wow. Amen. Can, can, are, how many of you are willing this morning just to let the Lord touch your lips? God will, listen, listen, children, any children in the house, God wants to touch your lips. Listen, young people, any teenagers in the house, God wants to touch your lips. Listen, adults, you in middle age this morning, God wants to touch your lips. Listen, senior adults in the house this morning, God wants to touch your lips. He wants to speak through you. Stand with me, please. I've shared this before. Several years ago, Nancy Harmon was at Mark 5 Studios in Greenville, South Carolina, recording a project. And in the early morning recording session, while she was singing, she happened to back up and glance over to the drum cage. And the Holy Spirit just impressed on her heart, said, Tell that young man I love him. And she thought, okay, I'll do that. As soon as we have a break, I'll... I'll. They had a break, but she got busy talking and, and forgot to do it. She was reminded again in the next session, and she said, I'll, when we break for lunch, I'll, I'll tell him. He got away to somewhere else for lunch, and she missed him. And in the afternoon session, she happened to glance over there again, and the Holy Spirit said... Tell him I love him. And she determined that she would not let him get away before she shared that word with him. But when things ended, he got away. When she realized he was gone, she ran out to the parking lot. She caught, he was driving away, and she ran him down. And he rolled down his window. And she said, young man, I just want to tell you that God loves you. I felt impressed to tell you that God loves you. And he sat there in a few minutes. He broke down in tears. You'll see his name on the back of many projects. He's one of the greatest drummers that there is in Nashville today. He's a studio musician. He broke down and began to cry. And he said, I'm on my way. To take my life. I have come to the conclusion that nobody cares about me and nobody loves me. And I've messed up everything in my life, every relationship in my life. My wife has left me, taken my little boy, and I don't have anything worth living for. And the revolver's in the dashboard. I was on my way. I said, I'll finish this session today. And then I'm going to take my life. 
Long, long story short, Nancy Harmon led him to Jesus that day. He stayed in our home years ago on Crawford Avenue when Nancy Harmon was with us. God brought his wife back to him, restored him, this little boy. And he's gone on to be quite a musician and quite a testimony for God. Folks, it's not weird. It's not strange. It's not way out there. It's just letting God touch your lips to speak the right word at the right time to the right person. You have no greater evangelistic tool than that because it'll speak to the heart and it'll do what nothing else can do. I want God to touch our lips. I want God to touch our lips. I want New Hope to be known as a church full of people that has a good, encouraging word from God everywhere they go. Amen? How many of you are willing for the Lord to touch your lips this morning? I want our prayer team to come quickly. Those that are praying with us and helping us today. If you're unsaved, come give your heart to Jesus. If you're away from God, come on back home. If you're sick and want to be prayed for for healing, come and let us pray and believe God for your healing. If you've got financial problems, come, we'll pray with you. For whatever your special need is, come and let somebody pray with you. But I also want to plead with all of you today that are willing. I know you may not all be able to get up here, but if you're willing today to say, God, just, just touch my lips. Just touch my lips. Maybe you're a child like Jeremiah. Or maybe you're a teenager like Isaiah. Maybe you're a middle-aged person like Ezekiel. Or maybe you're a senior adult like Daniel. But you're willing to let God touch your lips this morning with the anointing of his Holy Spirit. I, I want you to just come or find a place to pray either here or at your seat. And let's just pray for God to touch us today. We, we could have revival in this house today if the Holy Spirit would touch all of our lips. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what would come out of this place this week if we all went forth with anointed, touched lips by the presence and the power of God to speak to those around you? God bless you. The altar's open. You respond as you feel led.